thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? You guys doing well? There we go. That's like you're getting warmed up for the Chiefs game later. It's okay. We can... It's going to be good. All right. Uh, hey, uh, my name is Nathan. If I haven't got to meet you, it is an honor. Thank you so much for being here today. I get the joy of serving on the team here as the executive pastor. And I just want to welcome you to Radiant Church. I know Kyle already did that. And it is an honor. Anytime I get to stand up here and share the word of God with you, because I believe that the word of God is powerful, that it is effective, that it is the word of God that will transform our hearts and our souls. So it is always an honor Anytime I get to do this, especially during 21 days of prayer, I love this season as a church that we're in. And I love the fact that our senior pastor, David, carries a, an anointing in the place of prayer, that he carries the spiritual gift of an intercessor and he leads from that place. So getting an opportunity to share on prayer at Radiant Church under Pastor David is a joy and an honor. We are in week three of a series called Praying Church. So the first week, Pastor David spoke on the power and the potential of the prayer meetings. Last week, Banning Leapster was here. He talked about how God is awakening his people to seek him to pray. And today, I want to spend a few moments talking about, I think these really, these big two questions, what do I do now or how do I do that? Because in my experience, usually the, the issue is not, eliciting passion or understanding the why as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, people who said, I will follow Jesus. The why of prayer is usually established. A desire to pray is usually there on some level. The question is not, why do I pray or should I pray? The question is, how do I pray? What do I pray? What do I do with this passion that's inside of me? And that's really where I want to spend our time today. So let's pray. And then I want to jump in. And I really do believe that God wants to do something in our hearts through his word. So let's pray. And then we're going to jump in. Jesus, we love you. It is only by your grace that we get to stand before you. So we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do a supernatural work in our hearts today. Those of us who need encouragement, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encourage. Those of us who need freedom, God, I pray that you would set us free. Those of us who, who feel like we just can't catch a break, that our lives are in turmoil, Jesus, you would bring peace. Speak through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it is the third week of January, which means... 90% of this room has already punted on your New Year's resolutions. Good job. 
But hey, I think this is part of the, I think this is part of the cultural issue though. I think this is something that we need to talk through as the people of God because oftentimes we, we have this mindset because of our culture that we can, we just need to dis- discipline ourselves into a good life. What do I mean by that? We have these goals, we have these dreams, right? We have these, these ideas that, that maybe we want to, um, we want to we wanna be healthy. We want to we read more. We want to spend more time with our family. Maybe there's a business that you want to start. Maybe there's something in your heart that you've got this goal and you feel like, if I could just do this thing. And the behaviors that we do, that we embrace to try to make that discipline happen is we just have these ideas in our mind that if I can just wake up early enough, Listen, I'm a firm believer of waking up early. If I can just wake up early enough, things will go, start to go well for me. If I can just get my diet just right, then that'll, all that'll go, everything else will work well for me. Then if I can just spend enough time in the cold plunge, my life will be perfect. That if I figure out exactly how long I'm supposed to sit in as red, infrared sauna, then I will magically unlock this productivity that is lying dormant in my life for decades. <laughs> and all of those things are good. There's nothing inherently bad about any of them. But I think what happens is we begin to use this hyper, uh, hyper discipline, this hyper um, optimization of our lives as the means to a great life. And I love how we start each year in 21 days of prayer and fasting because what we're doing as a church and what we hope that you're doing individually is we're saying we are going to emphasize our spiritual development before we emphasize any other development. Because if you have the best year of your life spiritually, you will have the best year of your life. So we got to stop. We have to pause and we have to ask ourselves, what are your spiritual goals for this year? What are they? We've got to be willing to slow down our lives enough to where we have this mental space, this mental bandwidth to ask the question, what are my spiritual goals? What are are, are the areas in my life that I want to intentionally grow closer to Jesus in this year? Because aside from all of the great physical things that you can do to improve your life, dialing in the one, the two things that will bring you closer to Jesus, those things will elicit far greater change than anything else you could spend your time doing. And today I wanna actually pose the question, my hope is that this year, one of your goals is to become a person of prayer. That's my challenge for you today. You know, Kidlin's Law says this, that if you can write down the problem clearly, it's half solved. Put it in a different, Einstein, Albert Einstein said, if he had an hour to solve a problem, he would spend the first 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. So if we can identify the problem, if we can identify the thing, then all of a sudden we can, we can work on the solution. But the, the, the spiritual goal for us this year, the challenge is to become people of prayer. 
Now we're in the series and it's titled Praying Church. So what I want to do though is I want to pause and I want to define these terms. Because if we don't know, if we don't, we're not thinking rightly about what a praying church is, it's very easy to get off course or to have a different idea of what the goal is. So here's my definition. Prayer is direct conversation and communion with God. Whether it's vocal or silent, planned or spontaneous, individual or corporate. Praying. So here's church. Church is an assembly of the called out. The Greek word is ekklesia. It's the assembling of the called out ones. The congregating of the people of God. So a praying church is the assembling of the people of God who are having a direct conversation with God. So in order for us to be a praying church, we need to become a people of prayer, individually and corporately. That's the beauty of the church and prayer. It is both a corporate practice and a personal practice. It is not one or the other. It is always both. So how do we do this? How do we grow as individuals of prayer? We show up to the prayer meeting. Yes, it's a shameless plug. Come to as many prayer meetings as you can. And, and if we're committed to growth in any area, it's often not the work that we do in the moment but it's what we do in the in-betweens that elicits the greatest change. Now we've got some runners in the room. I'm not going to point you out, but they were basically Kansas famous. And you don't get faster just by running races. You get faster at practice. In sports, in any, any kind of modality, basketball, football, anything you do in life, if you only are trying to get better on game day, you will fail miserably. That's why you've got an off season. That's actually where the biggest growth happens in any individual development. It's not actually during the game. It's at practices. It's in the off season. It's in the in-betweens that you get better. So uh, shameless plug, I have a son who I adore and he plays basketball, which I adore as well. And it is, I never thought I would be so invested in youth sports. My watch will ask me if I'm working out during a game. And last year, so they've been playing together for a few years. Last year, um, they got absolutely demolished, which happens in youth sports, right? You get like the one good kid on a team and you just lose horribly. So last year, um, they lost to this team by 53 points. Yeah, this is why my heart rate was elevated during that game. I'm just, it's agony. You're like, please put us out, all of us out of our misery. Let this clock expire. They lost by 53 points. This year, they played the exact same team. Same kids, same teams, same Blue Valley Rec Center, same court, all the things. We won by 21. Now, now thank you. I feel like I had a big part to play in that. Um, But here's the thing. The other team, same age kids, same team, same good players, 
Same everything. They were running the same offense. They were doing all of the same things. Nothing changed on that team. Our team looked completely different. They're playing defense instead of watching people run by them. They're rebounding the ball. They're boxing out. They're looking up on fast breaks. They're passing the ball ahead. They're backdoor cutting people. They're doing all of these other things that they didn't even know what to do last year. This year, they're doing all kinds of different stuff. They didn't get better by going from that game to this game. They got better because they were working all summer. They were going to basketball camps. They were practicing at home. They were dribbling. They were doing everything in the in-betweens to get better. So when the game showed up, they looked like a completely different group of boys. My question, my hope is that what we do in between will elicit a great change in our lives. It's the in-between when growth happens. Listen, if prayer is the goal, prayer, I'm let me just tell you, not prayer, if prayer is the goal, prayer is the goal. I'm just gonna let you know that. Prayer is the goal. As the people of God, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, prayer is the goal. Why do you say that? Because calling on the name of the Lord is one of the most early designations of the people of God. You don't believe me? Genesis 4:26. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Actively calling on the name of the Lord in prayer is one of the earliest designators for the people of God. So what happens is when we begin to call on the name of the Lord, there are the markers, there are the milestones, there are the, the moments, the game time, the prayer meetings. And for the Jewish people, they actually had three distinct prayer times every single day. They had one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one in the evening. But what do you do between the prayer meetings? If you're gonna become a person of prayer, what do you do between them? Paul gives us this answer in the New Testament in his letter to the church of Thessalonica. He tells us how to grow as people of prayer. He says this, he says, it's in the in-betweens. Paul writes it like this, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He says, pray continually. Now leave it to Paul to, to like set the bar impossibly high, right? Like Paul, when he's given his bio, he's like, I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I had the best education. I had the best upbringing. There is no one who can touch me for passion for the Lord. Everything I've done in my entire life has been pointing to this thing. And so he's, he's saying, he's giving his resume and he's saying to the church in Thessalonica to grow as people of prayer, to grow as followers of Jesus, you should pray continually. And when we hear that phrase, it feels like an impossibility. There, I'm, I'm an avid believer in goal setting. Like even this year, there are goals that I'm setting for my life. Things that I want to do, things I want to grow in, things that I want to improve on. I love setting goals. But when you hear Paul say something like pray continually or other translations will say pray without ceasing, it seems impossible it's like the otherworldly goal that we just can't touch. So because we think it's unapproachable, we punt on the whole concept. But there's a nuance, I think, that if we dig a little deeper in the text, that we can begin to see in Paul's writing. 
Now, Paul, believe it or not, did not write in English. That wasn't his, his language that he spoke. It certainly wasn't the language that he wrote in. The New Testament was written in the Greek language, which is when you start to look at the, the intent of the words and some of the descriptive phrases used to describe what Paul is saying or what the New Testament is saying, you actually get this idea that our praying is part of a long conversation that's not broken. It's incredible. It's, it's this unbroken conversation that, that it's not that our prayer goes on without any interruptions, but that prayer continues whenever possible. The actual, the Greek adverb for continually that Paul uses is also used in Greek as the, the, the idea or the description of a hacking cough. It's that cough that just won't go away. You ever had that thing? You just have that thing in your throat and you're like, I just cannot get this cough to stop. It's this, when he's saying pray continually, it is not that it is un, ever unending. It's that it's constantly reoccurring. It doesn't mean that we should like 24 seven, we have to be mumbling these prayers in our, in our mouths with our, word, with our minds, but it's just this constantly reoccurring. That there's never really an, a start and there's never really an end because it keeps on happening. The cough that won't go away. Now, there are a few times that you cough biologically, and I think actually this gives us a window into when and how we can pray continually. The first time, the first reason you cough is because a cough is an irritant. You cough because of an irritant. You pray without ceasing because there is something in your atmosphere that is causing you to react. There's something that's going on that's, that's bringing your attention to it. You're out and you interact with someone who's far from God. <clears throat> God touched them. You hear that someone you work with or a family member has been diagnosed with cancer. <clears throat> God, heal them. Move in their body. You read the news and you're confronted with the brokenness of our city. <clears throat> God, we need you to intervene in our midst. Someone as a child who's walked away from their relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> God, bring the prodigals home. There is an outside Irritant. There is something that you see that is not as it should be. And you allow that out irritant. You allow that thing to be a catalyst for prayer in your life. You become aware of it. You pray. So you can cough because there's, there's an irritant. Or you can cough because there's something within now, biologically, that's usually a sickness or something that you're trying to get out. But I think spiritually, it's either, it can either be a negative or a positive. You find yourself easily enraged when things don't go your way. <clears throat> God, help me to walk in the peace and the patience of the Lord. I need, I need verbal affirmation or I become insecure. <clears throat> God, I, help me to gain my identity from you and you alone. When I'm stressed, I tend to fall back into old patterns 
or sin behaviors. Jesus, help me walk in your freedom. Like I said, it's not just negatives. It's not just negatives. God, I love to, I love to be hospitable. I love to open up my home. <clears throat> how, can I, how can I use this for your glory? I have, a, I have the gift of, of administration. <clears throat> Sorry, that's just a prop. I'm, I don't really need the water. Thank you, though. <laughs> I, sh- I didn't warn anyone beforehand. That's what I get. I have this gift of administration. <clears throat> How can I use it for your glory? How can I use it to make a difference in the kingdom? Can we slow down enough to recognize the areas in our own lives, the positive and the negative, but can we slow down enough to realize and recognize the areas in our own lives? Are we, are we self-aware enough to see the areas in our life that we need to become more like Jesus? And I think sometimes we feel bad for praying for ourselves. We're, we're Christians. You know, most of us are Christians in the room. We're well-meaning people. We, we're like, I should be praying for other people. You should. And it's completely healthy to pray for yourself. Because the chief end, the chief goal of your life is to become more like Jesus. So if you can look within and see the areas in your life that you are not looking like Jesus and use them as a catalyst for prayer, then you will invariably become more like Jesus over time. One of the great prayers is just asking God, what are you doing and how can I partner with you? God, help me to walk with you today. And we have these ideas, we have these hopes that we, we look at and we say, I, I, I just, I wanna be more like Jesus or I, I feel like if I don't pray enough that I'm a failure or if I, if I don't do this, uh, I'm, I'm a failure and, and it just doesn't work out like that and, and we're well-meaning but forgetful, you know what I mean? We're prone to wander. Our, our entire society is built to distract us and we have all of these things. When we're trying to pray without ceasing, we're trying to move and, and allow these irritants and the things within us to, to spur us on to become people of prayer who pray continually and our mind starts to wander. Can you be honest? I honestly think that that's why it's not an unceasing prayer. It's because it's to pray constantly reoccurring versus unending. And that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, he actually says, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we take our thoughts captive? How do we do this? Well, we're going to train our minds to keep looking back to Jesus. We learn to pray without ceasing. We learn to pray continually. And it's in that process that we develop the dialogue, the constant listening and responding to Jesus and what he's doing that we're able to take spiritual steps closer and closer to him. It's this bringing our mind back to the continual conversations with God. It's in your everyday life. It's in the moments that normally 
You fly right by. You don't think about, you don't stop. You just keep on going. As you're loading the dishwasher with the forks and knives facing down. <clears throat> God, help me to follow you today. Help me to walk with you. Help me to be the person that you created me to be. Help me to, to walk in the gifts and the callings that you've placed inside of me before I was born. You're doing the laundry. <clears throat> God, I pray for my children today. God, I pray that you would protect their destinies. That they would walk in everything you have for them. God, I pray that you would protect their purity in a culture that is rampantly trying to destroy the purity of the people of God. I pray that you would protect their purity. God, protect them physically. As they're at school and at recesses and playing sports and doing all these things, you would protect them physically. <clears throat> it's the reoccurring cough. You're driving to work. God, Tim, there's two cubicles over from me. God, I know he's going through a hard time. God, give me, give me an opportunity to share your grace with him today. Give me an opportunity to show him true kindness in the Lord. There's these moments in our days that are constantly occurring. And if we can begin to seize those moments, we can become a person who prays continually. Praying continually is, in my opinion, is, is actually more about us realizing that God is ever present and available to us. That he is not far off, but the theological term is he is imminent. He is close to us. He's available. He's listening to us as we pray. Every prayer. Even the inaudible ones. Even the ones that aren't even audible in our, in our mouths. That actually, in uh, Psalm, this is amazing. Psalm 34, it says that he responds to the desires of our hearts. And then this is crazy. This, is, this language is just absolutely incredible to me. In Psalm 10, he says, you hear desire. The prayers that you pray without uttering a word, God hears your desire. And if that's not enough, in Psalm, and in Psalm 21, 2, he says, you granted his heart's desire. So not only does God hear your, just hear your desire, even your inaudible prayers, he hears the desires of your heart and he responds and he can grant the prayers that you don't even verbally utter. So praying continually is not even that you have to be talking incessantly. Listen, some of you introverts, that's like fresh life to you. You're like, thank God I don't have to talk anymore. God hears the desires of your hearts. Praying 
continually is recognizing that he is close, that he is available, that he desires to give you the desires of his heart for you. It's this communion, it's this dialogue that as we pray, we get close to Jesus. We develop his heart for our lives. We develop his heart for the people around us. We develop his heart for our nation, our city, the people we interact with. And what happens is our heart's desire begin to morph and meld into his heart's desire. So as we pray, we begin to pray his will for those situations. And those are prayers he loves to grant. Those are prayers he loves to answer. But are we aware enough of the people and the situations around us to allow them to become the catalyst for prayer? What would happen? Just think about your life, just for a moment. What would happen if you knew that God really was present and available to you all of the time? Would that change something about your life? Would that, would that bring about any kind of change if that thought was at the forefront of your mind? I love C.S. Lewis, I'm a huge fan. And in his masterpiece, Mere Christianity, he says this, about God. He has infinite attention to spare for each one of us. He does not have to deal with us in the mass. You are as much alone with him as if you were the only being he ever created. God is more available to you, to us, than we could ever imagine. And the, the craziest part about this, about becoming a person of prayer, about praying without ceasing, about praying continually, is that you will begin to find yourself in situations that you never could have imagined. It's really, it's spectacular. Um, I love the famous uh, William Temple quote that when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop, they stop. It's this amazing framework. It's this amazing imagery of the more we pray, the more we get to see God move. So Paul saying, pray, without, pray continually, pray without ceasing. Paul is setting up the believers. He's setting up Christians to have a life of supernatural encounters, have a life of supernatural coincidences that cannot be explained apart from God. I wanna give you an example in Acts chapter 10. Now, Acts chapter 10 takes place a decade after Pentecost. So in early Acts, you see this moment where uh, the believers are praying in the upper room. It's the prayer meeting. They have this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Peter goes, preaches, 3,000 people, um, 3,000 men give their lives to Jesus. And then all of a sudden the church is like off and running. The church is going, the church is launched. It is moving forward. And in Acts chapter 10, 10 years after that moment, we get this crazy story about Peter and this man named Cornelius. And why this story is important is I was gonna think it, it shows us the importance of the in-between moments. It shows us the importance of the, the unceasing, the unending, the constantly reoccurring, hacking cough of praying without ceasing. 
Acts chapter 10, verse 1. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, just so you guys are embracing yourselves. You're like, oh man, we're going to skip through it a little bit. Acts chapter 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Other translations actually change the word regularly to continually. So we have Cornelius, a Gentile who fears God, who does good works, and who prays continually. But they hadn't heard the gospel. The gospel had never been presented to him, to his household. He was going through and doing everything he could to live a life of Judaism without actually becoming a Jew. He was a Roman centurion. He's doing all these things. And then in verse nine of that same chapter, we start to see the other, the other side of the coin. Acts chapter 10, verse nine. So Cornelius has this incredible vision. He sends his servants to Joppa, 35 miles away, to go find Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So you've got Peter praying at the prayer times. You've got Cornelius praying continually. This is this epic moment in Acts chapter 10. This is probably what most of us know and remember this chapter four. It's this vision of Peter. Peter has this vision of the sheet and animals and to unclean animals and clean animals. God telling Peter to rise, kill, eat. He eats the unclean animals. He's basically saying it's time for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people to have access to the gospel. Peter comes down. He's hungry. He's about to eat lunch and he's going, I wonder what that was about. Cornelius' servants arise and ask Peter to come to their house. Peter goes. And he brings six people with him. I think this is an interesting detail because to have an official witness, to have official testimony of what happened, Jewish people were required to bring two people on that journey so that they could have two separate witnesses to verify the account of what was going to happen. Peter brings triple that number, so whatever's going to happen is above board. Acts 10.29. This is actually one of my favorite. This is like life-giving verse for me. Acts 29. Peter arrives at Cornelius' house. He shows up. And this is what he says. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? I just love the fact that Peter is asking, why am I here? You sent for me. Why did I come? What am I doing here? Peter found himself in a place that he didn't expect. Peter found himself presented with a situation that he wasn't sure what to do with it. Cornelius had been praying. Cornelius had been praying continually. Cornelius had a heart that was leaning in toward the Lord. Cornelius was praying. 
Peter was the solution. Cornelius had a heart that longed for the things of God. Peter will become the conduit to answer Cornelius' prayers. See, Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost. Jesus' desire is to see those people who are far from God come to know him, to be raised in new life in Christ. Peter was the conduit, even though he didn't realize why he was there. This is this amazing situation and dialogue. So Cornelius goes and, and he tells Peter about his vision, the, the angelic visitation. He, he tells him all about that. And, and Peter actually begins to share the gospel with them. The whole household gets saved. Peter says, what's preventing these people from being baptized? They're baptized. Then all of a sudden, for the first time, Gentiles become followers of Jesus. It is this amazing encounter. But for Cornelius, it happened because of the in-betweens. That it wasn't Cornelius praying at the prescribed hours of prayer. It wasn't about Cornelius just praying at the prayer meeting. It, Cornelius was praying continually. He was praying regularly. He was praying. It was the incessant cough. <clears throat> God, my family needs you. <clears throat> I, I know we're doing all of these religious things that are good and not bad, but God, there's something more. <clears throat> God, how can, I, how can I be closer to you? <clears throat> How can my household become closer to you? <clears throat> God, you see all the good works I'm doing, but I just, there's something more. <clears throat> God, hearing the prayers of Cornelius sends him someone he didn't expect. The when you pray, when coincidences happen. What was Peter doing in Joppa? What was he doing hanging out at the Tanner's house by the sea? What was he doing to all these things? What was, why was he there? What, do you think that it was just happenstance? No, no. There's a God who hears our prayers. There's a God who is moved because of our prayers. And because of the prayers of Cornelius, because of Peter's life and devotion to follow Jesus, what happens is there is this catalytic moment that overlaps in their two lives to bring about destiny-changing encounters. I'm telling you, there are moments in your life that will change your destiny, that will change other people's destinies. There are moments and encounters that you can go through life experiencing the pleasure, the goodness, the faithfulness of God, seeing him move in people and in situations that you do not expect. When we begin to develop the muscle, when we begin to develop the awareness we allow the irritants of our world, the internal things in our hearts to prompt us 
into praying continually. God is always in the business of going after people. I love praying for people to come to know Jesus. You know what else I love praying? God, go get them. Just go get them. There's examples in the Bible. You just went and you got people sometimes, Jesus. Go get them. How do, but how do we do that? We, we become aware and we pray continually. So just right where you're at today, I just wanna, if you could just all around the room, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. And my hope is that we'll take a moment and we will allow the space, the quietness of the moment to prompt our hearts to be able to more clearly hear what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you today. For you, what's that, what's that prompt? Do you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is it a coworker's name? Is it a situation with your family? Is there something inside of you that needs to come out? Just in this moment, begin to bring that cough to the Lord. That cough that just won't go away. Just begin to bring it to the Lord. Maybe you're opening your mouth and begin to audibly say it. Maybe it's the desire of your heart and inaudibly it becomes your prayer. But let's just take a moment, focus on what's that thing for you? And maybe you're in the room today and the thing that's prompting your heart is the separation, is the gap between you and Jesus. That you're like Cornelius, that you've, you do the religious exercises, and those are good. But the prompting in your heart is that you need a relationship with Jesus. That you need to cross the line of faith. That you need to say, I'm putting my faith, my trust, my hope, in the person, the God, Jesus Christ. If that's you today, just right where we're at, no one's looking around but me, I just want you to put your hand in the air. I wanna pray for you. Radiant, let's stand on our feet this morning. And if that was you, you said, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. So I just want to take a moment and just pray together. And my encouragement to you today is to, to make this prayer your prayer. Jesus, I come to you. Knowing I need you. that I have mistakes, that I have sin, that I have shame, that I have guilt that I can't get rid of apart from you. So today, I give you my life. 
and I exchange it for the grace and the mercy and the new life that comes through following you. Be my Lord, be my King. And I'm committed to following you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Radiant Church, can we put our hands together for every single person who made that declaration today, who prayed that prayer? Amen. I want to encourage you that God is more available than we ever could imagine. If you prayed that prayer or you had a, just have a, uh, that prompting that made you want to fill out maybe just a prayer request for something that's going on in your life, I want to encourage you, you can fill those out. You can drop it in the, the buckets as they're going to go by in just a moment. But if you said yes to following Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to help get you connected to a small group, people, who will help you so that you're not doing life alone. So let us know, whether it's on the connection card, the information center, or even the prayer team down front here at the end. We would love to, to know so that we can walk with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. The word says that you're an ever-present help in our times of need, that you're always with us. You're never far off. You're the friend that sticks closer to a brother, that you are with us, that you are near us. God, I pray that we would have a holy awareness of how available you are to us today. Jesus, I pray that we would be a people who pray continually, that our eyes wouldn't be blinded to our circumstances or our situations around us, but Jesus, our hearts will begin to break for those people, those situations. Jesus, that you would do a great work in your people. God, I pray that as we give today, Jesus, you would use it as a catalyst to elicit kingdom change in our city, that we would see people transformed, that we would see the gospel go forth in our city, God, that our nation would be changed, that young people from all over this country would encounter a living God. Jesus, that the nations would be impacted as we send out missionaries and people to share the gospel whether it's door to door or backpacking trips or whatever it looks like, God, I pray that your gospel would go forth, the kingdom of God would advance, that the people of prayer would rise up with a desire in their hearts to pray continually. In Jesus' name.